G'day everybody, I hope you really enjoyed that video from The Bible Project. You can see that video and other videos like it on The Bible Project website. And uh, you can also go on YouTube if you want to see them there. And I really wanted to keep things nice and simple today because I really feel that video stands on its own as a great picture of God's heart for us and the way that we treat each other. It moved from a theological, philosophical point of uh, us understanding that we all are made in the image of God, like we talked about last week, and moves us into a practical space of showing that love to each other. I'm reminded of a verse in 1 John chapter 3, which says, Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. And isn't that true? The way that we act shows people who Jesus is. And so we ask this question, what can we do? How can we show love for others, especially in this sort of arena of racial injustice? What does love compel us to do? And I think there's three things that we can think about. The first is, I think we can listen to those around us. Listen to people who have experienced racial injustice. You know, I think oftentimes when we are confronted with the difficulty of an of a issue like this, we often go on the defensive and we, we kind of try and figure out what our position is on that. And that's good. We want to ask those questions. But we need to spend more time listening to what other people have experienced. And so if you have experienced that, I'd love for you to be able to share that with us. Maybe not in a video, that's fine if you don't want to be too public about that. But we do want to hear, not just for this series, but ongoing, we want to hear the stories that you have. We want to commiserate with you. We want to be that loving community together. One of the things we're going to do is send out an email uh, this next week with some questions um, that might give you an opportunity to share some of your stories. So if you would like to answer those questions, they'll be um, anonymous, uh, just come to us as a leadership and, and, and can start a conversation perhaps. The second thing that I think we can do is we can seek God's guidance for how to get involved. We don't always know the best thing to do, but God knows the whole situation. He knows who is involved. He knows how many people he wants moving through issues like this. And so if we seek him out and we ask him with an open heart and an open mind saying, Lord, do you want me involved? Do you want me to do something? Show me what you want me to do. I think he will lead us into getting involved in an appropriate place. And the third thing kind of comes on the heels of that is perhaps we can get involved with some organizations that are already doing some of this work of trying to mend relationships and build bridges across different ethnicities and different cultures. Uh, there's one particular organization that we as a church are sponsoring a little bit called PARS. And they work with um, prisoners and families of prisoners a disproportional amount of whom are Pacific Islander and Māori. And so we want to work with those organizations who are doing great things in the community. So you can donate to some of those organizations. You can even volunteer with those. And if you have any more questions about any of that, please send through a question, an email, or jump on the chat. So these are some things, simple things, that we can do that can make a big difference. But since listening is a big part of what we want to be doing for each other, we have asked a local pastor to share some of her experiences and her advice around this idea of racial justice. Hey. Hey, Viv. How's it going? Good, good. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good. 
You hey, survived lockdown? Barely. <laughs> we, we've got three kids in the house. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take my hat off to you guys that have got children because you had to learn how to homeschool overnight. I, I wouldn't say to... we actually did that. <laughs> we didn't quite learn how to. But Hey, just for the Church Northwesters that might not know who you are, I'll just introduce you. Um, guys, this is Viv Anson, and she and her husband, James, planted uh, Faith Point Church. It's about seven years ago? Yep. Yeah, that's right. Look, I've, I've really been enjoying getting to connect with you and James uh, through our Northwest Pastors Cluster groups semi-regularly. Um, and <laughs> I love just hearing how much you guys love to serve your church and love the people in it and how the people of all different backgrounds in your church and you guys are doing such a great job. And as a baby church, like we're, we're only one year old now, um, we're, I guess we're looking to you as our neighbor and as kind of our big sister uh, to kind of just listen. Like we just want to listen on this topic and get your perspective on what's a really crucial issue for, for all Kiwis, but I think also for kind of the wider church in uh, New Zealand. So thank you for doing this. Pleasure, it really is, yeah. Issues in the other parts of the world, in the USA, especially right now, it's like horrifying yeah. all of us. Um, but yeah. what, what, is, what is our version of racial injustice? To be able to answer that question, you have to go back in history properly mm. because, you know, otherwise um, people who protest against the government, which looks like good sense to this generation, mm -hmm. is actually... Um, uh, there's generations before that have been fighting for certain things for a long time. Um, and my parents were both um, New Zealand Māori and they both spoke uh, English as a second language. Mm -hmm. And they went through native school and they were um, you know, beaten for speaking Māori, uh, for culturally practising Māori, mm -hmm. and they were basically beaten for being Māori. And they were always made to feel like they were second-rate citizens. So they never taught us the language. And they never taught us much of the culture except for the gathering of the family, which is what every culture does anyway. Would that have been kind of like to protect you from, from what yes. you experienced? Yes, from, from the, uh, the horrors of their ex own experience. So they never taught us any of that. My father actually said to me, um, speaking Māori, being Māori is not the way forward. And so I don't, I don't want you to learn the language and I'm not going to teach you anything else. So that was a part of um, my life that I, you know, there's 12 in our family. So all of us, every single one of us, never spoke the language. Oh, it's um, heartbreaking. Yeah, it is rather heartbreaking because some of the beauty of the poetry of the language has been lost in this generation. Mm. So um, in the six in the sixties, uh, there emerged a new brand of Maori. They were called young warriors. They came out of universities and they were well educated, and they started protesting about the lack of Te Reo Maori in New Zealand. That's my generation. We came from the anger of that happening, and so there were a lot of uh, young Maoris that emerged from there, and they brought their own message of. Te Reo Māori, but they were angry because their parents were treated badly. Every person whose parents has been treated badly, whether you're a Jew, whether you're American, whether you're can Canadian, if your parents are treated badly, you want to make some, get some um, justice, some restitution.
Mm. And so that's the that's that was the thing that motivated them. And then we had the land marches of the 70s because a lot of the land was confiscated. And so they said, we lent you the land, now give it back. And some of the land was just taken because the government wanted it. A story that has been repeated through the yes. whole history. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's that's what uh, that's what I grew up with. We come to the, about the the seventies and eighties, and people were starting to get used to, you know, us wanting to be who we were created to be. You know, James is European, and I'm Maori. It took him a while for his grandfather to accept me, and his mother, um, she's a lovely woman. She convinced him that our kids wouldn't come out speckled or striped. So we were all right. <laughs> uh, I mean, even in church, one guy came up to us and said, you guys are sinning against the law because you're two blended cultures. And James and I were pastors at that point, and he said, your ministry will never go anywhere because you're blended cultures and you can't blend the cultures, especially in not black and white. We had, there was one story uh, that happened. We went to the fielding, I think it was, or some country town, and um, we decided we'd have takeaways for dinner. And James said, oh, you go and I'll watch the kids. You go on in and, and get, the, um, get the takeaways. So I did. And in those days, you paid with check. You didn't pay with a card because nobody had a card in them days. And right. so I got ready to write out a check. And the woman behind the counter said, oh, no, I won't take checks. And I said, oh, don't you take checks? Okay. And so... Um, on the right-hand side of the counter, I think it was, it said check, check acceptors, which is why I used the check, checking account. So I went around the corner, I said to James, oh, she won't take my check. And so he went in back in there and he said, uh, can I have this, this and this? And he proceeded to write out a check, which she took. Oh. And he, he said to her, why didn't you take it from my wife? And she said, who was that? And he said, that brown woman that came in just before. And so we, him and I, our marriage, you know, we've been married 30 years now, but the first part of our marriage, there was a lot of prejudice and racial injustice like that. And so we come to this time in our lives and my children, um, though James is European, they look like me, my youngest one. Uh, he was sitting outside Macca's one late night after being out with his mates and an incident happened just down the road and he was thrown in jail being the only brown boy in the city that night uh, in that area and so he rang us and and of course we got him out but he was still charged with um, assault and he and said the only thing I was assaulting was a Mac was a Mac burger that was all <laughs> <laughs> he assaulted that burger yeah oh, assaulted, assaulted that sucker and um and you know I'm saying all of this because the the injustice it's something that's um has, has been happening through the years, but mm. it's also, you know, on on some younger Māoris who had it worse than I did because my parents were very good at navigating us through all that stuff. They have come out the other side quite angry, very angry, some of them. Yeah. So if I look back on history, I think we're getting closer, but it's taken a hang of a long time. And, and we still have some yeah. ground to cover, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do, definitely. Especially in the area of profiling. It is still happening, uh, absolutely, in, in New Zealand today. Yeah. Uh, but maybe more subtle, maybe more obvious in some situations, like the, the ones that you've explained. So mm. thank you for sharing that and for being vulnerable. And I guess I want to say that we, like, 
it's it's starting to be obvious all over the world that that it's not just uh, the minorities, but the majority of people in in cultures and in countries are angry about this. Yes. Um, there are obviously people who aren't standing with them, but there are people of all colors now and all nationalities that are like, no, this has got to stop. This is infuriating, and, um, mm-hmm. and I'm I just don't know what to do other than to to listen and have these kind of chats and hear from people who have experienced such injustice, what do we do? You hit the nail right on the head there. Um, listening. Listening is all part of it. What can we do as uh, in churches to support people of different ethnicity, like in, in the four walls of our buildings, in, in our gatherings? An old, uh, old uh, Mary preacher, he said, his name was Norman Tafio. He said, you know, it's not about the culture, the ethnicity. It's about the person. If you ask the person, get close enough to ask them a question, like, um, hi, how are you? <laughs> it's better than assuming from afar that that person is uncomfortable. And it's, it's just every person is the same. They want to belong, whether they're Asian, Polynesian, whether they're European um, or South American, anything like that. Everybody needs to belong and needs to know that they're welcome. I would hate it if I walked into a church and somebody suddenly did a, you know, a call, a karanga, because I was brown and Maori. That would make me feel so singled out and yeah, uncomfortable. Okay. So the best way we can do it as people in churches is just approach whoever it is and, and just say, this is a creation of the Lord God, and I want to get to know him or her. Yeah, oh, um, that's beautiful, and it's a simple concept. And yeah. just the message is just don't be afraid to <laughs> yeah. extend a, a, a hand or, or a hug or or a chat, and just just don't be afraid to walk across the room. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's. A, I mean, a hug. We can do hugs now, which is really awesome. Ooh, level one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. All right, Viv. Well, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else that you wanted to to share that you didn't get a chance to? Well, I just think you know. Uh, I just want to say, a, a church is a place where everybody is accepted, acceptable to God, and you know that the whole thing of do to others what you would want them to do to you. I always think if my kids ever went across to the other side of the world, I would hope that those cultures would accept them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, um, thank you for your honesty and your stories and your vulnerability and for allowing us to just listen. And um, yeah, really, really valuable stuff. So thanks so much, Viv. I hope we can do more of this and yeah. find more ways to connect with each other as churches and individuals in the future. So, yeah, all right. Thanks. Yeah. Bless you. I just, um, you know, heaps a blessing on the West. And, I, you know, I'm looking, we're looking, watching you guys, and we want you guys to achieve whatever God has placed on your heart to do. Yeah, and same yeah. for you guys. We're right behind you. All right. Say hello to James for me. We'll do. All right. Thank you. Lot. Take care. Bye. Bye. A Lord's Prayer for Justice. Our Father, who always stands with the weak, the powerless, the poor, the abandoned, the sick, the aged, the very young, the unborn, and those who, by victim of circumstance, beat the heat of the day, who art in heaven, where everything will be reversed, where the first will be last and the last will be first, but where all will be well and every manner of being will be well. 
hallowed be thy name. May we always acknowledge your holiness, respecting that your ways are not our ways. Your standards are not our standards. May the reverence we give your name pull us out of the selfishness that prevents us from seeing the pain of our neighbour. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Open our freedom to let you in so that the complete mutuality that characterises your life might flow through our veins and thus the life that we help generate may radiate equal love for all and your special love for the poor. On earth as it is in heaven, may the work of our hands, the temples and structures we build in this world, reflect the temple and the structure of your glory so that the joy, graciousness, tenderness and justice of heaven will show forth within all our structures on earth. Give life and love to us and help us to always see everything as a gift. Help us to know that nothing comes to us by right and that we must give because we have been given to. Help us realise that we must give to the poor, not because they need it, but because our own health depends upon our giving to them. Us, the truly plural us. Give not just to our own, but to everyone, including those who are very different than the narrow us. Give your gifts to all of us equally. This day, not tomorrow. Do not let us push things off into some indefinite future so that we can continue to live justified lives in the face of injustice because we can make good excuses for our inactivity. Our daily bread, so that each person in the world may have enough food, enough clean water, enough clean air, adequate health care and sufficient access to education so as to have the sustenance for a healthy life. Teach us to give from our sustenance and not just from our surplus. And forgive us our sins. Forgive us our blindness towards our neighbour, our self-preoccupation, our racism and our incurable propensity to worry only about ourselves and our own. Forgive us our capacity to watch the evening news and do nothing about it. Do not put us to the test. Do not judge us only by whether we have fed the hungry, given clothing to the naked, visited the sick, or tried to mend the systems that victimise the poor. Spare us this test, for none of us can stand before your gospel scrutiny. Give us, instead, more days to mend our ways, our selfishness and our systems. Deliver us from evil, that is, from the blindness that led us to continue to participate in anonymous systems within which we need not see who gets less as we get more. Amen.